today on the Tearsheet Podcast. When you start doing real commercial lending, it is really difficult to use algorithm only to do the targeting and to do the processing, right? You need that human component to understand and say, okay, here's the seasonality difference. Here's the quirkiness to how heat bill gets paid versus how my client, you know, Jack gets paid, right? So that's why the hybrid, it is so important to have hybrid to do true commercial lending. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet's Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. While we use the term challenger bank to refer to many of today's top competitors in digital banking, the truth is very few are actually chartered banks. They are a user experience layer on top of an incumbent bank's infrastructure, not Piermont Bank. Started in 2019, Piermont is a fully chartered commercial bank. It uses a combination of technology and human interaction to serve businesses founder and CEO Wendy Kai Lee says still aren't serviced. These are businesses with more complexity, with accounts receivables and payables, employees, looking for loans of $750,000 to $10 million. These aren't the solopreneurs and micro-businesses supported by other challenger banks. Wendy Kylie joins me on the podcast to talk about how Piermont uses its hybrid delivery model to serve this market. We also talk about Piermont's strategy around providing direct-to-business commercial banking, as well as banking as a service platform, targeting fintechs that want to bank a similar customer. Wendy Kylie is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. All right. Good morning. Well, thank you for having me. My name is Wendy Kylie. I'm the founder and CEO of Piermont Bank. Um, Piermont started back in 2019. So we're the first hybrid bank, commercial fully chartered uh, by the regulators in the U.S. Um, since one of the early ones since financial crisis. So. And, and and why take the decision to become a chartered entity? There's there's other uh, challenger banks in the commercial space that have chosen to do uh, you know a different route. But why 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 is it important for you to get a, a charter? Well, I, I think that's really um, I think in the last few years there's been a couple different descriptors around for mm-hmm. um, so called challenger banks of sort, right? And I think you have seen that the regulators have come out with some guidance in terms of who can refer to themselves as banks. Mm-hmm. And that really is the, actually the main reason why I decided to go with the chartering process, because at the end of the day, the FDIC insurance is really, really valuable in terms of allowing whether we are a neo bank, challenger bank, a, you know, regular commercial bank, hyperbank, however you want to describe the various different types of banks have surfaced, is that having that FDIC insurance and having that regulatory expertise behind it really are going to be the, I, I believe, are fundamentally critical to the institution's ability to create new products mm-hmm. and to really be more aligned and more reflective of all the changes. Mm-hmm. And then most of them are quite exciting changes that have taken place in the marketplace, right? Um, and be more relevant to the end customer, whether it's within the FinTech ecosystem or outside of the FinTech ecosystem. And the, the FDIC insurance allows the banking institution to be able to generate and keep a cost-effective funding source so that eventually we can get to a point where we can create real meaningful lending products, right, to the marketplace. Because until you can have the entire spectrum of both cash, deposit management, payment solution, and lending, 
you can't really create that holistic sort of suite of um, services that's really needed um, in the marketplace, right? It doesn't matter who they are, whether it's consumer, commercial, fintech or not. So yeah, so FDIC insurance is important. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense and, and I agree. Um, so maybe we could talk about, so you talk about the charter enabling sort of that full spectrum of, of products. Talk maybe about the uh, the evolution of, of the product suite. Like what did you start with? Where are you now with the products that you're offering? Sure. Your customers. Yeah. So as mentioned really quick earlier in terms of being the first hyper bank. So what we, the, the whole genesis actually, if you don't mind taking a step back in terms sure. of building Piermont was back in 16, 17, we started seeing that real market, not only the market shift in terms of the impact the fintechs were making to consumer banking, but also seeing that pull, right, in terms of and creating that gap uh, in the bank's ability to serve that SMB, so small mid-sized companies. Mm -hmm. So you have your credit unions, really small, um, uh, typical traditional banks that are your main street USA bank, USA bank that does the checking account, savings account. Then you have the very large, what we call super regionals and money centers. So that middle bucket are the largest, has the largest number of businesses, and especially for business entities out there. And that's where the big banks tend to do that, take that wholesale approach and the small banks don't have the product sophistication. So when we decided to build Piermont was that, okay, here's that market need. So let's make sure we build something, the products and services really address that market void and figure out how to be more tech driven, tech enabled, right? And fortify and to be more aligned with all the shifts that are taking place. Because to sit here to think that fintechs are only gonna impact consumer bank and not gonna touch commercial bank, that's just silly, right? It's a yeah. matter of time and totally. matter of how. So those were the two driving factor in building Piermont. So coming back to your question in terms of the product um, evolution, right? The, the, um, the roadmap, sorry, excuse me, one second, just my lights are automatic. So um, is that we started off, off with deposit management, right? Cash management, payment solutions, uh, whether it's debit, credit card. Eventually, to my point earlier, the important thing is get to how do we finance these business? Because until you can provide financing to businesses, it's hard for the business to truly grow, right? So whether it's the fintechs themselves or the fintechs end customer. So that's really the product roadmap, right? Mm -hmm. for, for Piermont. So right now, as you, um, uh, we were grateful and honored to be, you know, to winning the award for new product. And that's exactly what we've been doing. We started off with providing cash management payment solution through banking as a service. Now we have gotten to a point where we can offer lending products, right, to that entire ecosystem. So, so that makes a lot of sense. Maybe we could drill down a little bit each on each one of those consist, consist, con, constituencies. Um, you know, SMBs, as you mentioned, is a big bucket. It's a large bucket, but you know, yeah. a solopreneur is very different than you know a business with with fifty employees. Uh, who who is the target on the commercial side? And then, uh, and then I'll ask you another question next about sort of the platform side of the business. Sure. So. I think depends on who you speak with, the different definition of SMB varies. So that's a great question, right? Coming at what you just asked. So I think that when you're talking about a couple of thousand dollar loans or even 10, $50,000 loans, I think there are being, they are being serviced. 
because they're being they're essentially the extension of consumer lending, right? Mm -hmm. Because those are your sole proprietors or really, really early stage where they haven't gotten to the point to scale their business. And essentially the credit underwriting is on the entrepreneurs, on the business owners. That's why I said this is an extension of a consumer loan. So what we are really good at and what we have built our products and sort of the, 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 the credit parameters and the processes around are businesses that need loans from 750,000, a million, up to 10, 12 million. Right. That's that big segment in the middle, mm. because anything bigger than that, you got a lot of super regional money centers that can offer uh, probably even more aggressive uh, credit structures. But during that growth period, as these businesses are ramping up, they tend to hit very um, diverse and broad range of growing pains. So if they actually need that personal attention. So that the idea is that how do we use technology to solve for all the behind the scene, you know, to do's, right? The task where the client doesn't see and to create that efficiency, but allow the bankers even more time, more bandwidth to understand the pain points of clients in that segment. So that's how we define it, about a million up to 10, 12 million. And so in, low, it, in low sizes, sorry, in low yeah. sizes. Yeah. So, so, so I got that. Um, and, and what you said is, is I want to pull on that a little bit. Um, so, so the delivery of, and I guess the customer experience sounds like it's, it's a hybrid experience where it includes tech, a technology behind the scenes, as well as, um, yeah. human banking. Um, can you talk about, uh, I guess the, the decision to, to use both those components to service this, this market? Thank you for asking that because if you look at the lending platforms that currently exist, it's either all machine or mostly all bankers, mm -hmm. right? And in, within the FinTech ecosystem, they tend to all use all machine, right? Predominantly. And what happened is that's why the credit, the credit lending products tend to sit below that million dollar range, predominantly. It's because mm -hmm. you can provide, you can build algorithm to to do the credit structuring, excuse me, right? So it's your credit score, your transaction statements from your bank, from your existing bank accounts. Uh, it's the owner's personal credit history, um, et cetera. So that's what I meant by extension of consumer loan. When you're truly trying to do real commercial lending, every business is different. So Zach, so for example, Bill, I always use Bill as an example. Bill has a PR company. That's him plus perhaps a few more people. That's very different from um, one of my clients who does LED technology that supplies to all the lighting companies. He's got a hundred people. So they're still considered SMBs, right? But now you're dealing with receivables, inventories versus bill is really dealing with just receivable for his service, right? So the pain points and the turn, how he gets paid, how they need to source inventory, bill doesn't have an inventory in this case, are so different. So when you try, when you start doing real commercial lending, it is really difficult to use algorithm only to do the targeting and to do the processing. Right. You need that human component to understand and say, OK, here's the seasonality difference. Here's the quirkiness to how he bill gets paid versus how my client, you know, Jack gets paid. Right. So that's why the hybrid 
it is so important to have hybrid to do true commercial lending, right? And I'm sure one day, as we continue to do this hybrid, that we learn more and more and more in terms of the, the idiosyncrasy within each industry verticals so that we can build more and more machine learning. But until then, the hybrid is necessary. So, so that makes a lot of sense and resonates with me, Wendy. So I guess the question is, how do you, how do you scale uh, the customer-facing side that, that includes human beings as, as, you, as Piermont ramps? Sure. Um, so we have, we invested a ton of resources time in both the tech stack and process because everyone tends to associate innovation with technology. But in banking, the innovation needs to take place in process as well, because this is the mid, the traditional mid and back office that slows everything down. It's not intentionally slowing it down. It's just that historically, it's very linear process. That's just the way that the industry has been. So we took the time before the bank even opened, not only thinking, looking at what type of tech stack that we need to have, but also how to overhauling the process so that the tech can do its job, right? So that's really, that's really what we did. Um, and in addition to that is changing the mentality, the user adoption internally. And it's a long way to, long winded way of answering your questions and bear with me because the user adoption is critical in terms of how they use the technology you put in place, the new process you put in place to be, to do their job. Because if you can, you can have a beautiful platform where most of your operations team are still hitting the print button, printing everything out, filling it out, scanning it and uploading it, it defeats the whole purpose, right? So here, for example, at Piermont, it's completely paperless, right? Nothing from account opening to credit structure to funding a $10 million loan, everything is digital. That's so important. So user adoption, process innovation, tech innovation, all three things. So that all those time-consuming components that's costly to the bank are being fortified with technology. So I'm able to have the financial capability to have the bankers upfront to spend the time to do that personal component. Does that make sense? So I'm yeah. basically shifting where I spend my money, right? That makes that makes a lot of sense. And I guess to be able to do that, to innovate on those multiple levels, um, you need a team with uh, with the right perspective, I guess, with experience in each one of those things. Can you talk about, um, I guess, the the composition, the skill set amongst the, the the initial team and the team now? Sure, that, that's actually the hardest part. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it really is the hardest part because I've always said every business is a people business first, right? And for banking, it's people business first, then it's risk management business second, right? So for us, we basically, we're truly very hybrid. We've been um, getting talent from the traditional banking ecosystem as well as from the FinTech ecosystem. And we spend a lot of time um, cultivating and assimilating so that we create a new corporate culture where it's reflective of what we do. And that's why I said it's the hardest part, right? Because you have people who are um, both academically and professionally trained to think quite differently. But I think at the end of the day, if we all focus on being practical, basically say, hey, park everything at the door. When you walk into Piermont, it's about when you're the banking client, 
How will you want things done? How would you like to be on the receiving end of the service and products? Just go with that, right? And don't worry about how things have been done in the past. You have a free pass to do it right and to do it where it makes sense. So that's really the key component to our corporate culture is that don't let any legacy tie you down. You have the ability, you're empowered to think, right? As if we're starting with a blank slate, which is what we have, starting with a blank, blank slate. So, so getting back to that, that skill set question I just asked, I mean, yeah. listening to you, Wendy, it sounds like you're able to innovate because you actually come from within the banking industry, understand the workflow challenges and the innovation that happens in the back office. I think a lot of fintechs approach it the opposite. They come from outside the industry, understand tech, and then, you know, six months, a year, a year and a half down the road, they've got to figure out banking. Or, or like you said, they play to their advantages by, by not getting into the, the commercial side and really stay with sort of the, 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 the consumer side. Um, wh what has been the trajectory of your career that, um, that made Piermont the right thing at the right time for you to start? Yeah, so I, I think, Zach, to, your, to one of your earlier comments that you just said now is, I think it's bringing that different strength to the table, right? Meaning that if you look at the fintechs, when they're really great, they're, they're super creative, innovative in terms of uh, going to market, right? And, and identifying products, how the customer wants it. But that's why the partnership with the bank, with a insure bank, charter bank is so important because the traditional banking component brings the risk management, the compliance management component, and which needs to connect before you can really scale, right? So um, that's what we have seen where a lot of these neo banks, the fintechs are now forming closer partnership with the banks so that they can actually grow faster. Um, in terms of my, you know, you know, perfect, like being at the right place at the right time, I guess. So I think if you think about 2016, 2017, that's when we start, when I started thinking about building Paramount, um, it takes actually quite a bit of time and effort to go through the chartering process and getting the FDIC insurance. So by the time we opened in June, 2019, it was a perfect timing because mm -hmm. on the consumer, the FinTech consumer banking end, it reached a certain maturity already, at least a certain um, a critical volume, so to speak. And, you know, I started, getting a lot of phone calls from folks in the ecosystem where, Wendy, hey, we want to do credit. We want to do, you know, credit card. We want to do, you know, warehouse lending. We want to do additional financing. So you started, I started getting the call. I'm like, great, this is what we're here for, right? Ultimately is to help bridge that gap and is get to a point where they started thinking about the commercial business. So I don't know, I mean, um, we got lucky in terms of just the timing of things. Um, with that said, it's still early. I mean, yeah. we are, we're seeing banking as a service the way it has been quickly commoditizing. Uh, we are seeing more and more discussion around, you know, how both the FinTech banks as well as the traditional banks needs to look at cryptocurrency as an mm -hmm. example, right? Because as a regulated institution, it's much more challenging uh, to work with that. We are, I mean, the, the, I would say the evolution and the innovation 
is going much, much faster. So I don't know what you have seen because you are right in the middle of all this, right? Um, I think in the, in the past, things that would take a few years, now I think it takes a few months. Uh, because what we heard at conferences last year versus this year's Money 2020, for example, uh, last month, it's already a different focus. So, so I agree with that. We've been covering the space for a few years and I, I'm, I'm really impressed about your foresight um, in terms of building uh, the banking as a service alongside, you know, the direct offering. Uh, can you talk about that? Like, um, did you build Piermont from the beginning with the idea that there would also be a, a, a platform associated with it? Yeah, absolutely. Because if this is more a reflection, you know, to what I said earlier is being relevant, right? Staying relevant, understanding the pain points. If I look at the pain points of fintech, for them is grow big, grow big fast, right? So what do we need to be? How do we want to be as a banking partner, right? We got to be able to truly align in terms of how we look at efficiency and the importance of speed and turnaround. So, um, you know, for, for Piermont, especially going forward, it is needing to be, continue to be able to provide that flexibility, because if you don't have the flexibility, you can't go fast. Because when things change, you're not able to pivot. You're not able to be relevant. So it will slow you down. So it all goes back to our core philosophy of being able to run as fast as, as our clients do. So, um, you know, if, if I look at, especially the changes that are facing the FinTechs, they really need to figure out how to be able to work much more directly with the bank. So I knew from day one that I gotta be able to offer a platform where I give them the choices, right? If you don't have enough of tech sophistication and you're just really good with market innovation, then okay, use an API partner if you so choose and connect to Paramount. If you have stronger and more in-depth uh, tech capability yourself, you can integrate directly with us. Being able to provide that agnostic, right, platform in terms of connectivity, I think it's really important to them so they can choose. I, I totally agree. And in the remaining time that we have, um, 2022 is obviously right around the corner. Um, when you think about um, the upcoming year, what do you think about? Well, <laughs> um, for Piermont at least, we are staying very focused on continue to understand what the fintech ecosystem really needs as they transform themselves as they grow. And one of the things is financing. It's trying to figure out how to support their growth and their clients' growth, right? So in addition to payment solution, in addition to cash management, um, what else? What else do they are they looking for? And continue to look at what the role, product roadmap should be and be ahead of the curve, right? Be at least six months, nine, nine months ahead of the curve. That's important to us. In terms of the industry, I think that the real impact from the global pandemic in terms of that almost overnight right shift from um, in-person and everything, uh, not everything, even the diehard brick and mortar user Right, that overnight conversion to be uh, being the digital user, we're going to see that that after that shift has taken place, the push 
driven by the marketplace in terms of product changes, meaning that existing products are being forced to change and take on the digital, um, sort of the digital self of the existing product. Does that make sense? Um, I think that we're gonna see more and more traditional products moving towards having a digital version of that. That does make a lot of sense. Wendy, thank you so much for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast. It's been, a, it's been a joy to talk to you. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. It's great fun to talk to people that who are living this every day like we are. <laughs>